Hello and welcome to this week's edition of SBC This Week, a roundup of news and views from around the Southern Baptist Convention. SBC This Week is hosted by Amy Whitfield and Jonathan Howe. Hey Jonathan, how's it going? Pretty good. We had uh, quite a different executive committee meeting this year. The fall meeting of the executive committee was this past week. We'll talk a lot about that here in just a minute in the, in the news portion, but I hate that you had to miss it, Amy, because this was unlike any other executive committee meeting I've attended. Really? Yes. That sounds interesting. Tell us about it. Well, we'll, we'll talk about it in the news. We'll get to the details in the news. Okay. But it was just... Okay. It was one of those things where the April meeting was obviously different than any executive committee I've ever met with and uh, attended, um, but... Uh, and whenever they chose... April. Wait. April? That was the... Oh, when they chose... Yeah. When they had the, the meeting to... Choose a search a committee. Search committee. Yeah. yeah, which was very, very different. Yeah, that was one of those that I, I, I don't want to go to anytime soon, really. Um, but the the one this this past week, it was just a different atmosphere. It, it had a, a kind of a, a, it was a little more tense. I don't know if, the, you know, we're, we're in this transition time in the SPC, and you could feel it in the room. It was it was different. It, things are just different than normal because there's there's not the, you don't have the, the calming presence that Dr. Page brought, and I mean, he he had that steady leadership in in place there, and you know, there's so many entities right now without leadership, so you have a lot of interims in the room. So it was just a different right. feeling. It, it just had a different feel. The the entire meeting had a different feel. Not a bad feel, just not normal. Sure. Well, I guess I guess you would say across the convention, we're all in this moment of no, of not knowing what's yes. next in a lot in a lot of different yeah. directions. And so I can see how uh, when everyone is coming together, you know, it's the first time for a, a lot of these folks to be together since June. And when they're coming together, that reality is kind of in the air, even with uh, now, you know, and we'll talk about it uh, in a few minutes, but an announcement that came out um, about the IMB. Um, so just, just, I, I guess you're right. Kind of everyone is is not sure between now and February, the next time that they get together, what things will be different. And I, I suppose there were several reports that were talking about transition. Uh, so it's it is a, an interesting time in our history. It is. It is, and, and you could feel that in the room the other day. But it was good to see see a lot of friends. Uh, that that's one of the good things about these meetings. You get to see a lot of friends from all over the country, including our good friends up at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary in Louisville, Kentucky. They are committed to training future pastors, missionaries, and gospel leaders. You can learn more about undergraduate, graduate, and doctoral degree programs by visiting sbts.edu. Sat in a couple of committee meetings with a lot of those guys from Southern and and also from Southeastern. Uh, Bruce Ashford sat uh, just in front of me in one meeting, and uh, I sat with uh, Matt Hall and Colby Adams and Dr. Adam Greenway, uh, Dr. York. Uh, Herschel York was there because he's now the dean of the School of Theology at Southern. So uh, yes. he, he got the uh, the lucky straw to come down for this. Uh, this first time I've seen him at one of those because not been dean before. and uh, But now as dean, he comes to those. Right. So that was it was good to see him. And I uh, sat next to Norris Grubbs, the provost at uh, New Orleans uh, in one of the meetings. I bet it was great to see uh, Dr. York. I'm a big fan of him. Uh, I, I'm a big fan of his, although a much bigger fan of his wife, Tanya. Um, I guess she wasn't there 
probably he was just there with the with the whole crew from Southern. But uh, sounds like a lot of great people uh, in the room together. It was, and uh, I was able to to see you know some some of the guys from Midwestern, and even had a trip to Midwestern this week. Doctor Rainer spoke in chapel up there in the middle of the week, so went up to Midwestern, got to have lunch with uh, Doctor Allen, Doctor Dusing, Doctor Smith, Doctor Yates. And a couple of the staffers from uh, Midwestern, as, as well as Karen Allen, uh, Dr. Allen's wife. So it's good to see her and and uh, the rest of the faculty up at, at Midwestern. Uh, and, uh, you know, just always fun to be there. We'll talk a little bit more about Midwestern toward the end of the show as uh, when we get to the resources of the week, Amy. Little little tip off there. All right. All right. Well, hey, let's jump into the news this week. We mentioned the executive committee meeting. That's where we'll start. Uh, J.D. Greer, the president of the Southern Baptist Convention, uh, spoke on Monday night talking about gospel above all and gave uh, his you know state of the Southern Baptist Convention address. It's a fantastic address. Uh, we went late into the night on Monday. Uh, it was a lot of business uh, to be covered on Monday night, and uh, Dr. Greer capped things off late in the evening. And also, he uh, met this week with the Committee on Order of Business. I believe they met on Wednesday at the Southern Baptist Executive Committee building and uh, talked scheduling for Birmingham. He put out a tweet, and there's an article in Baptist Press, Amy, no night sessions on Tuesday or Wednesday. And uh, there's a, a little bit of news about a hashtag or something. Well, I saw that. So no evening sessions um, were were listed in there. That was kind of the, the major thing. So it says, spent the day with the Committee on Order of Business under Chairman Adam Greenway's excellent leadership. Very excited about hashtag SBC 19 next summer. New ideas coming. It's a new day. Tightened schedule. No evening sessions. So the I think the big announcement was no evening sessions, nah. uh, which, you know... <laughs> Uh, the big announcement is, was the hashtag. It, well, that wasn't an announcement. It was just a. I, I think it was a. That's in the a, article the in Baptist Press, Press today. Yeah. As the as the Baptist Press article says, it signaled a decision. Yes. Uh, it's or it signaled his decision to utilize uh, hashtag SBC nineteen. Um, so I I I guess that kind of sets the tone uh, for things. Uh, ahead, I know you're very uh, you, you're very excited. You've been uh, clear on your thoughts on that. I've been clear on my thoughts, which is I'm a rule follower, and so, I followed the rules too, and I supported the decision this year. Look at the tweets. We supported the decision. I just want to be clear on that, and we yes. will support the decision in 2019 as well. Because I'm always about just what whatever is the official one. That's the one I'm going to go with. Exactly. But it looks like it, it's going to be hashtag SBC19. Um, so now I'll, I will, it, it'll be interesting because as I always said, you know, we had those years where it was people trying to decide between using four numbers for the year or two numbers. So you'd see hashtag SBC19, hashtag SBC2019. Now that we did introduce the AM version, I'll be intrigued to see if anybody uses all three hashtags next year. I doubt it. Um, I, the, but, the 19 has been, I mean, that's what we used for like three or four years. The use of right. the 2011, 2012, that really died out uh, 2013-ish whenever we went to yeah, Baltimore. Yeah, So, right. Or, I'm sorry, Houston in but, 2013. That that kind of just stopped. We And we were systematically introducing the two-digit numbers and then until last year. So Yeah, someone should do a real story on kind of the the progress of the hashtag but anyway uh, get on that david roach i know you listen amy wants a story 
I, it's a it's a fascinating thing. Uh, but anyway, so that was sort of a signal in the tweet. But the no evening session seems yeah, to that's be the, the big, big that's the big thing. Uh, the the big statement. So Amy, walk us through what that means because in the evening sessions we've had the IMB commissioning service. So we're still going to have that. Obviously, that's correct, and that means we'll that has that. to go into the daytime, and I would guess on Wednesday. I, we don't know this for certain, but because uh, they haven't yeah. released a schedule, we're just speculating. Obviously, right now, yeah. The only the only reason that you would speculate uh, Wednesday, although it could be at other spots, is because you know that certain things typically happen on Tuesday. Executive committee report. A lot of business happens on Tuesday. Elections happen on Tuesday usually, and they need to because you have to do elections in a certain order. Um, if you have runoffs, you've got to have time for that, so you wouldn't want to hold those over yeah. until Wednesday. Of the two days, Wednesday is definitely the more flexible of the days to put stuff into and move things around. It does It does seem that way, So, but it could be. I mean, it, there there could be a way that it's been worked in, um, but we, we see... and. And there have been years, even in the last decade, where the commissioning service is during the day. I mean, it, this this story, I really uh, appreciated this story by David Roach that kind of went back on, on several different things. Um, that in 2011 and 2012, the afternoon sessions ended just before six and did not have evening sessions. So, I mean, there have been years where we didn't have them. And uh, so the commissioning service, and I remember some where the commissioning service was in like the afternoon and, you know, stuff. Uh, but the last few years, there's been a, a longer session on Tuesday night. Um, now, normally, or in the last few years, it, it has been more focused on the commissioning service. We're having a special speaker. We have had to bring some business into Tuesday night. Uh, yeah, especially two in Two of the last three years. Right. Um, so we did in Phoenix and we had to bring a little bit of business into St. Louis because of the presidential election oh, yes, issue that's that year as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we've had to utilize that. Um, but this time, uh, those, those evenings are going to be open. So it will be interesting to see, do they get filled with a lot of auxiliary events or is it more just like, Hey, let's, let's let this be time for people to spend time together. Um, uh, I don't know. We'll we'll see. SBC this week shindig. What did you say? SBC this week shindig. Yes. Oh well, that could be fun. It could be interesting. I'll, I'll let you pay All for right. it. You can handle it. Um. So if I pay for it, then the shindig is going to be everybody uh, meet in the lobby of the convention center, and we'll all just hang out. <laughs> That's all I can afford. Sounds like fun. Which is nothing. Yeah. Uh, anyway, this is kind of our first little preview of Birmingham, you know, to, to think about what uh, what we're we're looking at, which gives me my reminder that we're only if we're only a couple weeks away, yeah. less than a couple less than two weeks away from hotels opening up. Yes. Monday after next, October 1st. The conversation, it's time to start it now and begin thinking about it. And we're beginning with uh, considering a different order of business. Yeah. And Birmingham is going to be different in a lot of ways uh, just because of the layout of the convention center. I used to live there. I know the convention center. I've I've heard some you know, of the information about where things were because you know, we pick out our, our spots for the convention layout, the, the convention hall. Uh, we did that this past year when we were in Dallas. So you, you pick out, you know, where's the Lifeway store going to be? Those kind of things. So we've seen some of that. The 
the exhibit hall will be a, a little bit different than we've had in the past. There's like a connection and two different levels of exhibit halls. So that'll be a little different. And I believe if I heard correctly, we will be kind of in the round next year uh, with the arena seating at the BJCC. Yeah. So uh, that'll be a little bit different. I don't know if they'll do it literally in the round or not, but I, I do know we'll have arena type seating rather than the, right. the straight convention hall where it's, everything's flat type seating. So that means things will be a little bit different. I think the last time we had any had it like that would have been in Greensboro. Yeah. Yep. My which was my first SBC, and so it's come um, full circle. It, yeah. And the here's the thing: the arena seating can be fine, um, unless you are at your first SBC and you have um, small children then it's kind of awful. And you wind up in like the VIP section because you didn't realize where the elevator was taking you? Well, there was that, yes. Trying to get to the stroller section was was uh, really interesting. Uh, but also when we went in that night, it was dark because that's part, you know, in the arena, it's the lighting is, it was dark. We had both of them. I was uh, trying to get in the seats and it's not, it's not quite the same as going down aisles and just kind of finding something. You got to go walk up the steps. You're carrying diaper bags and everything. So you just got to prepare and we'll try to find things out as it gets closer. Uh, so we know, all right, where's the stroller section going to be? How do families, you know, navigate this? Because we want to make things as uh, we want to be as helpful as possible in letting folks know. So go ahead, no matter what your situation, plan now. It's going to be an arena style. Let's get ready for it. Yeah. Uh, let's find ways to to engage in the process Yeah. Uh, in that. And there may be another site visit coming up later in the year uh, before SBC. And uh, I, I don't know if there's an official site visit or not, but if there is, I may, I may try to get uh, and tack onto the Lifeway trip on that because it should be just a down and back one day kind of thing. So it wouldn't be that big of a deal if... If I tagged in and uh, and and rode down with uh, Abby and Amy, so we'll see. I might be able to do that, and get some pictures, and and have a better understanding to be able to share with that here on the podcast. Very cool. Some other news out of the executive committee meeting this week. Uh, we, we have a link to the Baptist Press blog. They did a live blog commentary of everything. They they've got a lot more information in that than we were able to give in the tweets, just because they have. Uh, a lot of the, a lot more of the information from the internal side of things. So uh, there's a lot of detail in the blog. I would encourage you to go check that out. You can see all the details as well as a couple of the uh, articles from Baptist Press uh, that talked about uh, the status update of the presidential search, which basically they're still searching. Uh, and also they pr- approved uh, up to a quarter million dollars for the sex abuse uh, study that Dr. Greer has uh, called for and is is leading so uh, the money has been allocated above from the overage that we will have in the cooperative program funding uh, before that is split out to others uh, they're going to take that two hundred and fifty thousand dollars out and do that and there was also uh, something that i've never seen done at an executive committee meeting was an experiment that augie bodo tried and i commend him for doing this because i, I learned a lot from the questions that the executive committee members had so uh, they had some questions and had an open forum Q&A time. And uh, it's a little different than what we've seen before, Amy, but I really enjoyed it. Yes. In the Baptist Press story 
about this. Uh, it had a, kind of its own story. It said that um, Augie Bodos called it an experiment apart from regular business to voice the views from your home territories. Whether questions, complaints, suggestions, or praises regarding Southern Baptist ministry at the national level. Now, remember, you know, th- this matches something, which is that, you know, when we come together in the annual meeting, there are parts of our business all the time, whether it's the ability to make motions, whether it's the ability to address um, our uh, entity heads, our entity leaders when they make their reports, um, there are opportunities for messengers to speak from the floor. And this, in a sense, was bringing something similar where they get the opportunity to use their voices. I'm kind of one that is very open to things like this. I think giving people opportunity to have a voice, um, to enter the conversation, and then, you know, if discussion happens or decisions are made later, then the majority, you know, uh, the majority decides what's going to happen. But I don't think that uh, that means that everyone shouldn't get an opportunity for, you know, to speak. And so I thought this was kind of cool. Yeah, it was. Yeah. I mean, I didn't get to be there, but the story is what I read uh, that 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 Art Tolston did, which I thought was really well done uh, for me as a as a Southern Baptist who wasn't there. I felt like I was able to understand kind of everything that happened. So I, I, I thought that was a real service. But. Um, sounded like it, it, there were some very interesting things brought up. Yeah. The, one of them was GCR funding. Another was the ERLC. Uh, another one was, uh, the issues going on at Southwestern. I, I wish that the Southwestern report had been before the Q and a, because yeah. it's possible that some of the questions would have been answered in the report. So well, maybe so, it, it's but possible. those, I don't know. but it's, but it's okay that they got no, the chance it's fine. to it's express fine. their thoughts and then, you know, they hear the report and that may have helped, you know, the yeah. situation. Uh, also, it looked like there were, um, a, a few other things, um, talking about ways to help younger Southern Baptists see the value of the SBC's entities and processes. Um, Put them in the room. I think that's, yeah, I, th- I think that's a, a a good thing and it looks like it looks like there are uh, many leaders who are working toward that um so it's good that people are having an interest in that so another question about scheduling uh, a meeting in the north yeah perhaps in the twin cities yes so that's interesting they, they discuss possibly the twin cities which i've never i mean i've been to minneapolis to the like the um the airport i've transferred through it's a right. delta hub or whatever i think or united so i i've flown yeah. through there that's about it so I've never really been to the Twin Cities. I would not mind that, though. It's a fun city. Yeah, maybe one day. I think we're booked maybe. out to like 2026, 20, 28, somewhere in there. So Something like that. It, yep. it, would, it would be a while if we did make it yeah. to uh, Minneapolis. But, so. Yeah, but if. that was it. That, uh, Guy Frederick asked this question, and he's from Sheboygan, Wisconsin. So uh, just was intrigued uh, about the idea of bringing it above the South. Sheboygan. That's a fun word to say. All right. It is. Uh, that moves us to uh, a new research study that was released this week from Lifeway Christian Resources and Lifeway Research about Me Too. And the, the question was asked, for your congregation, which have been a result of the Me Too movement? 62% say that they are more empathetic toward those experiencing sexual and domestic violence. 56%, 58% 
58% say that they are more aware of how common sexual and domestic violence is. 32% are more confused about the issue. 14% are more callous toward the issue. And in 16 said, or it just says they are not necessarily more, but they are are, are callous I, to the issue. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. I, it's intriguing as to what, like was the, it, when the pastor is saying they are callous, I guess it would be the pastor it, that is speaking about their congregation. Um, it's, it's pretty incredible. Or maybe they think, you know, we, we saw some tweets this week uh, about people, you know, with everything that's going on in the Supreme Court and everything, people are, you know, just keep pushing back against, you know, this is just trying to tear people down, things like that. So I, I could see, I've seen some of the callousness yeah. online. So, yeah. Um, uh, but that to me seems like that would lead people to be confused about the issue. Um, but I, I don't know. Just callous is a, is a tough word. Um, but it's very telling, 62%. Now, obviously, this means that they could check both boxes. Like, they could say they're more empathetic and they're more aware of how common it is. Um, but very interesting. Some other questions, you know, reasons why you speak about domestic or sexual violence in your church. The most telling one is, so this was compared with a survey in 2014. So in 2014, 61% of people said of of Protestant pastors said I'm aware of resources I'm aware resources are available that can help in 2018 96%. So a huge part of this is beginning to make people aware of resources and obviously that is starting to happen. Yeah, and there's also been a big jump in is it a problem in our community? 2014 72% now 87%. So I think yes. there's an awareness both of the reality of the problem as well as the resources that are available. And then, then the next thing there, I have seen the impact firsthand from pastors. Right. Three out of four pastors now say yeah. instead of three out of five. So, I mean, it's gone from 61 right. to 75. And the idea and the, the I have been trained in domestic violence issues, that group has doubled. 23% yes. said they were trained in domestic violence issues in 2014. 46% say in 2018. So there is... Clearly a growing awareness of this. And the truth is, um, and, and I, I know this from ministry situations, it, you know, you just don't know what's going on in people's homes. And you don't know uh, a lot of times what's going on in people's lives, in their workplace and, you know, wh whatever. And uh, they're trying, in, in many cases, to put on sort of this brave front. They're trying, that's that's part of how they cope with the situation. Um, and so for a long time, we have just not known what might be going on and have, uh, frankly, I mean, I'll speak for myself, not wanted to know. You, you don't want to, uh, think that this could be happening to people that you know, but I think it's, it, as the conversation comes to the surface, uh, we're, we're realizing this is a bigger, a bigger thing than we ever knew. Yeah. And we have a responsibility to to be aware of it and to be, I, I really think, empathetic toward it because it's it's happening. You can't deny that anymore. I mean, right. it's going on. It's going on in churches. And right. we, you know, the people in our church, it is happening to them. And we have got to know that and realize that and be prepared for that. I, I think that's the, the thing that this research kind of points to is that it's out there. 
be ready. Right. Right. And I, and I think recognizing, and sometimes it's important too, when we think about how we're ministering to people that it, it, you know, well, what do we focus on? Is it uh, domestic violence? Is it, uh, people who are, you know, assaulted in, in other places? Is it work? Is it, is it members, church members who are dealing with workplace harassment or people we want to reach out to who are dealing with that? Is it abuse that's happening inside the church? It's all of these things that we need to start opening our eyes to, to just recognize. Um, and I think we also need to recognize as well that, you know, there's a whole host of, um, people that we, we long to reach and that they are existing in a culture where a lot of these things are happening. And we have to understand the pain and the struggles uh, that come with that. And so uh, reaching these people means uh, means knowing and understanding and having compassion. But a lot of times they are, they're already, you know, folks that are within our churches and we just don't even realize it. So I, I'm encouraged to see that more training, more resources, uh, just more eyes are opening, uh, to this as an issue so that we can begin to address it with the love of Christ. Yes. All right. Now, speaking of Lifeway, some rather disturbing news. I was on a conference call today uh, around the noon time. Uh, it was just a little bit before noon, and I was on a conference call with some people from Lifeway who were at the building, and all of a sudden, that was interrupted by a, uh, a gunshot that came into the building uh, down on the fifth floor. I was on I was on a call with people on the ninth floor, so they didn't realize that what, was, what was going on, but they, the, the news started trickling through the building, and obviously being in the president's office, it gets there rather quickly. Um, so uh, we had a, a gunshot, or three gunshots actually, they say, uh, and one of them hit the fifth floor, shattered a window. They found the bullet on the fifth floor. Uh, nobody was hurt. Uh, a couple of people were shaken up you know, emotionally and, and kind of you know, from, the, from the event there uh, that were near that area. Uh, but uh, thankfully, nobody was hurt. Nobody was near the windows that, uh, or the window that was affected. So, um, kind of a scary moment. It, it, they don't yeah. think it was uh, intentional. We don't know anything if it was intentional, if it was accidental. I mean, it just, just random, to our knowledge, gunshot into the window at Lifeway. That's so scary. That's uh, oh, yeah. So I, I'm glad That's... I have an interior office right now. So, but I, I, I was, guess you and are. I was also glad I was working from home. So I was able to let Beth know, hey, right. you're going to see something about this, hear something about this. I'm at the house. Every, so, but everyone is okay. But my goodness, that yes, is, it was, it was uh, a bit of a unnerving uh, moment. So as you can expect, right. but everything's okay. I bet. Okay, some news broke late last Friday after we had uh, put out last week's episode that uh, D- David Platt will be leaving the International Mission Board effective September 27th, and Clyde Metter will take over as the interim president. Clyde is a two-time now, two-time interim president of the International Mission Board. Yeah, so this uh, is not his first rodeo, so he'll slide in there. He's so highly respected. I think he's been with IMB for what, 42 years, is that correct? Yeah, I mean, so he's been through a lot of uh different really different ministry philosophies and um missiological understandings of things and so he's he's seen the story of the imb for a very long time um and knows it and and uh it's just a good man 
He really is. I've only gotten to meet him and talk to him briefly uh, once when we got a picture of him with a go sign. Um, but just uh, it was a real joy to have him here on campus. Um, but there we, we've got a link to uh, the article that was in the that was released to Baptist Press. Julie McGowan uh, released that. And it's it's uh, actually a pretty lengthy article. It's a, you know, shares about the transition and then um, has a statement from Dr. Platt uh, just uh, about kind of how this happened and then a statement from the trustee chairman. And so it seems like everyone's just kind of working together to make this transition happen. I don't know that um, that anyone, you know, seven months ago when this started, I think maybe there was hope that a new president would be in place. Uh, but we're still in the process of that search uh, happening. So I think uh, they're just going to let this transition go ahead uh, so that he can get settled where where he uh, has been called and uh, Claude Metter can can kind of help steer the ship for for the time being and then we'll see what happens next yeah and just once again uh, for those who may not be aware David Platt will be going as the uh, pastor at McLean Bible Church up in the uh, the northern Virginia area McLean Virginia uh, just outside of DC. So uh, he's moving into the pastorate from the presidency of the International Mission Board after uh, about four or five years of service there. Finally, Amy, uh, I know this was a kind of a big deal over the weekend, and it, it didn't affect you guys too much there in the Raleigh area, but I know that the eastern part of North Carolina and all of South Carolina uh, pretty much have just been inundated with water and rain this past week uh, right. from Hurricane Florence. Uh, President Trump went into uh, one of the Southern Baptist disaster relief sites earlier this week in New Bern, North Carolina, and helped uh, volunteers distribute meals and greet victims of the hurricane. So uh, a lot of disaster relief help and work going on down in the Carolinas. Yes, and the uh, the North Carolina uh, disaster relief, uh, they've, they kind of jumped right to it. They were in place and ready to go, uh, but it's and then send relief coming along, delivering um, supplies everywhere. Uh, this this has been a pretty incredible week for our state, um, as you said. We did not we we were originally uh, expected to get the direct hit, and then uh, it became clear a couple of days before that uh, Florence was going to turn a little bit south and so we would just get some of the outer bands. Uh, so we just were sort of socked in. Uh, with just nonstop rain for a few days, but you know, it, it, we've actually had worse storms come through here. Um, but my goodness, the coast just got hit so badly and the flooding is, is still an issue. We've got, I've got friends in New Bern, um, Moorhead City, uh, Wilmington, just, just folks that, you know, have in a sense lost everything. So it's been a, a really difficult, time we had we made an adjustment at uh, southeastern we had a preview day scheduled for this week um but we have so many we've had so many road closures and uh the governor telling people don't even come into the state uh that it just seemed like we needed to change so we had a, a small group of people who were already able to get here uh that had kind of a, a a special campus tour day, but uh, had to reschedule kind of our major preview day for later because it's just it it's kind of set North Carolina um, back a little bit. But uh, everyone is is recovering, and uh, disaster relief's been an incredible help. Uh, we've been able to see, and uh, there was a good bit of news coverage about the president's um, visit. 
And uh, so as it, as it always is, um, and I know they appreciated that. Yeah, and the Southern Baptist Disaster Relief folks over there in the Carolinas have served uh, about 10,000 meals a day uh, since Incredible. the hurricane made landfall on the 14th. And uh, the, you mentioned the rain, more than 30 inches in some areas. So two and a half feet of rain, that is a lot of rain. So a uh, big hat tip to the Southern Baptist Disaster Relief folks, as well as the North Carolina Baptist men, everybody over there in the Carolinas, North Carolina, South Carolina, and all the other states that have come in to help out with that. We really appreciate everything that is uh, being done by our disaster relief teams there in the Carolinas. All right, that's going to do it for the news this week and bring us to my favorite part of the week this week in SBC history. Amy, blow our minds. Well, you know how I like to sometimes make this match up with things that are going on in the news um, ourselves uh, that are going on in the news currently. And uh, unless you're, you know, taking a break from all uh, news or electronics or anything, uh, you, you've got to be aware that there is a Supreme Court nomination process going on right now. Um and it's gotten, it, it has gotten kind of heated and, and difficult. And so, uh, I just started looking and thought, when were some of these other, other hearings? And, uh, so I want to go back to 1987, uh, to one that is, um, known. There's even a verb that has come out of it. And that's the, uh, Fork. yes, that, that would be the, uh, confirmation hearings of Supreme Court nominee Robert Bork. Uh, who ultimately was not uh, confirmed and uh, that he's made it into the history books uh, to the point because things got so polarized and uh, it was such a, um, I wouldn't, I don't even know how to describe it. It was such a difficult confirmation hearing and so many things got kind of stirred up. Well, not only did he not make it, Amy, the guy who replaced him in the nomination process was Anthony Kennedy who we are filling the seat of That's correct. now. Yes, that's correct. Uh, so actually it was for this very seat. Um, but, and, and so now they'll actually say someone has gotten borked uh, if you get a situation that um, becomes like this. Uh, so it, I go back and look in the history books uh, to kind of understand all the details because I won't go into it here. But in the middle of it, there was an issue where it said mixed messages have been sent to the U.S. Senate as to whether the Southern Baptist Convention has has endorsed the nominee, endorsed Robert Bork. So right after um, this, uh, right after the this meeting, the, the the Southern Baptist Public Affairs Committee had met in August, and. After that was over, the, the executive committee, the public affairs committee, instructed the executive committee staff um, to send a letter to all U.S. senators informing them that the public affairs committee had adopted a resolution to strongly urge the Senate Judiciary Committee and the United States Senate to confirm Bork's nomination. And then enclosed with it, there was a copy of their resolution, um, and the committee identified itself as having been duly elected and appointed to represent Southern Baptists on First Amendment concerns, particularly church-state issues, religious freedom issues, and those issues relating to the right application of Christianity to the life of the nation. Um, 
but it seems like this was kind of, it was a seven to five vote of the Public Affairs Committee. Well, remember, this is also the time that there's a good bit of controversy going on in the Southern Baptist Convention. So you had a lot of different positions. Uh, so James Dunn, uh, who many will recognize his name from the Baptist Joint Committee on Public Affairs, um, he sends a letter and says, no, the Southern Baptist Convention has not endorsed Judge Robert Bork. Uh, we are an agency that serves non-Baptist conventions and conferences, including the Southern Baptist Convention, and uh, we've taken no action. All right, so then SBC President Adrian Rogers, he kind of comes into it, um, and a, a member of the a member of the Public Affairs Committee said, well, I know he supports our efforts and that he plans to do something. Um, so he's he supports Bork. Well, then Baptist Press asked Adrian Rogers what he thought. And he said, as an individual, I have already written both of my senators and encouraged them to confirm Judge Bork's nomination to the Supreme Court. Um, but he said he thought his letter was on the letterhead of his church, Bellevue, and not the Southern Baptist Convention. Um, now, it seems like, you know, and, and Adrian Rogers continued to say, I, I, I do feel that the weight of our Southern Baptist pronouncements lines up behind what, what we've heard and read about Mr. Bork. Um, what they did is not the same as endorsing a man running for political office by popular election. You know, they, they kind of go on. But what it seems like is you have this one committee from the SBC that sends something to the senators. You have this other committee, this other agency that's connected that says, no, they don't represent my views. You have the president who jumps in and says, well, I support the nominee, uh, but I did it as an individual. So there was a lot of question about what do Southern Baptists think about this public situation? Which is interesting because I think we run into that um, even now. A lot of times when we're dealing with public situations. Um, but it's a fascinating article. And then you also move in uh, to the next article about how Judge Bork's faith and uh, church and state views surfaced in the hearings. So it kind of goes through uh, some of his thoughts about um, uh, about religion. And uh, it's very, very interesting. So, you know, just kind of fascinating uh, that this was happening at this same time. Uh, also, in 1991, uh, we were in the middle of the uh, Clarence Thomas hearings. This was before uh, kind of the more explosive part. The, the Around this time in September was when it was just sort of the initial hearings. Things were going along uh, as they do kind of in a routine nomination. And then that ultimately became a little bit different as, as seems like we're, we're dealing with this time as well um, that it started out as kind of routine. Uh, but I thought it was fascinating because we can often think this is the first time, you know, that, that something, especially those of us, especially those who are younger, this is the first time that something, uh, this controversial has happened, but there's really nothing new under the sun. And so, uh, we've got a, we had a lot of Southern Baptists lining up on different sides around a Supreme Court nominee that ultimately did not go on to the court. Uh, and it all happened this week in SBC history. Yep, and I guess we will have to wait and see if this one goes on to the court as well. So 
A lot of discussion about uh, Judge Kavanaugh and the future there and the the confirmation hearing and as well as the vote. So we will see what kind of entails. I guess that a lot of that will go down next week, huh? Uh, yeah, I think we'll know, you know, a week from now, I, I think we'll see which, which direction, okay. um, one way or the other, but right. it's, it's, uh, fa- fascinating times, I would say. Yes, uh, that is for sure. All right. Well, that'll move us to our resources of the week. My resource of the week is the For the Church Conference at Midwestern coming up this week. I was just there uh, this past week. They're setting up, I saw some videos, Charles Smith playing guitar and drums, as they were setting up, uh, Charles is over there playing in the band. Everybody else is setting up. So uh, I don't know what that means. I'm sure he was uh, helping whenever not being filmed. Um, but uh, but a shout out to those guys. Uh, I know they, they work a lot. Uh, they're working hard on getting everything ready for everybody to come to the campus on Monday and Tuesday of next week uh, for the for the church conference. And uh, it should be streamed on their website as well. So if you want to check out the stream, I know they've got uh, the Jimmy McNeil from the Austin Stone up there who will be doing the, the worship. Uh, those guys do a fantastic job. Big fan of Jimmy. Uh, he's done the ERLC National Conference, I think, the last couple of years. So big fans of Jimmy and the Austin Stone band. So uh, check that out and uh, watch the, the live stream. There they'll have uh, Jared Wilson, Owen Strand. Dr. Allen, they'll all be speaking, uh, and uh, Charlie Dates and David Choi, as well as uh, Russell Moore, will be speaking. So, uh, so a great lineup. Check it out at the uh, Midwestern website, mbts.edu. Uh, just look for the For the Church National Conference on September 24th and 25th. You can watch it live online, uh, I'm sure, at their Facebook page or there at the website. So, Amy, your resource of the week is... Um, it's a podcast. It's not a not a brand new podcast, but it's one that I've been kind of catching up on uh, some more lately um, by Christine Hoover. It's uh, she is a, a church planting pastor's wife in Charlottesville, Virginia. Also an ERLC trustee. Yes, and kind of a new friend of mine. Like we we are connecting. Um, through uh, the technology today allows us to kind of develop new friendships even before we get to hang out in person. And uh, so she and I have gotten to connect on some video calls and and uh, other things. And I've been listening to her podcast. It's called By Faith and uh, really, really good. She has a different guest uh, every episode. So she had a season on suffering by faith. Um, there was a tremendous interview she did with Kathy Litton. Uh, that just uh, really, really was incredible. Um, there's was a mini season for women in ministry uh, called Ministry by Faith. And now she's in the current season, which is Friendship by Faith. And she's talking to guests about the ins and outs of friendship. Uh, so has had a lot of guests, uh, people that uh, that we know, uh, Katie Orr, uh, D.A. and Alicia Horton, Jason Dusing, um, several other uh, other wonderful folks on there so it's not brand new but i think uh folks should check it out uh for the first time uh if they haven't haven't heard about it so i wanted to to throw that in there and when you look at it the link in there also takes you to her website there uh uh, she's written several books you know lots of things so just check out a lot of the resources from christine hoover yeah that sounds good and speaking of podcasts i listened to a podcast this past week that you were a guest on Oh, yes. The Potluck Podcast. Yes. The Potluck guys had you on and uh, talked all things SBC, even uh, made fun of me, I think, at some point in there, uh, two or three times. 
And um, what your your yeah. southern, I I was surprised by your southern culture topic of fried catfish. I didn't know you were such a fried catfish aficionado. Oh goodness, yes, yeah. Huh. I uh, that's my favorite food and one that is not easy to find uh, in North Carolina, at least done well. That is surprising. Here. I have a hard that time. That is surprising. Finding it. Yeah. No, my favorite restaurant uh, back where, you know, we're always talking about Nashville restaurants and things like this. But if I have just sort of one shot um, when I'm back in Tennessee, even ahead of Baja Burrito and all of those wonderful places I love, it's still going to be the Catfish House in Springfield. In Springfield. Okay. I was wondering where it was. I've got a opportunity. We've got date night on Sunday night with parents night out at the church. So yeah. I was thinking about uh, trying to find a place for Beth, and she is a big catfish fan as well. So yeah. well, the catfish house in Springfield is my favorite. That's my that's my favorite. I'll have to see if they're um, open Sunday night. Place to get in. So yeah. All right. Well, very cool. All right. Well, thanks again for joining us this week. Went a little long this week, Amy. We we got to chatting about, uh, but there was a lot that happened. I mean, there was a big EC meeting this week. So. We've uh, had several weeks with low news, yes. not a whole lot, and so um, so we'll do one more reminder next week, but go ahead and start making your plans that uh, you're going to reserve your hotel rooms on October 1st. Yes. Everyone start, uh, get it on your calendars uh, for Birmingham in June. Yes, reserve your hotel for you, for your associate pastor, for your youth pastor, for your children's pastor, whoever it may be. And for Everybody. members of your and church. For members, for members and for of your church. The just guy bring, that teaches the sixth grade boys. And I mean just, just bring bring a whole go. slate. Bring your whole slate. Yes. Fill your slate of messengers. Uh most churches, uh, if you give a decent amount to the cooperative program, Lottie and Annie, I mean you're gonna get your full slate of twelve, more than likely. So yes. go ahead, bring your full slate of messengers, get everybody registered in hotels. Let's get those hotels filled up on October the 1st. So we'll, we'll talk about that again, like Amy said, next week. But until then, we'll see you next week. See you next week. <laughs>